You are listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. You can find us at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. Good morning, everyone. Um, for those of you who haven't met before, my name is Colin and I'm the pastor here. Um, last week we had the joy of sending Mr. Andrew Montgomery. He's the lead elder here and he is currently in Veracruz in Mexico. And at three o'clock this morning I received this update. Now Pete has to hit two buttons simultaneously. So if it's slightly out of sync and a little bit like a Japanese uh, cartoon that's been dubbed, that'll be the reason why. Okay, Pete, go for it. He's having a great time. Buenos dias. Greetings from Veracruz, Mexico. This is a one minute report on how we would be getting on. I'm glad to say that the travels are a little long. I've been on the landfall and I've arrived safely on the destinations. Four flights out of ten done. We arrived in Veracruz last night. We've only had one meeting so far on Saturday night because we're six hours behind you, so the big Sunday celebration hasn't happened yet. But Dennis was taking a discipleship event tonight on sowing and reaping, but 150 people there, and uh, all responded really more or less to ministry. And uh, there was the breaking of the spirit of poverty, which is very prevalent in Mexico. Good ministry. Looking forward to tomorrow. I hope you have a blessed service this morning and uh, love you and do actually miss you even though <laughs> the food is great here and the weather is 20 degrees. So blessings and see you in a week's time. Bye. So he's there. They have the... Yeah, there he is. He's always there even whenever you don't want to be away. So, I uh, just wanted to call you to, if last week, whenever we asked you to be praying for him, uh, please be doing that. If you haven't been, just do your, I'm sorry, I agreed to that and get on with it. Sometimes, God's outside of time, right? So sometimes when I forget, I pray afterwards as if it was before, because he's before it already, while we're standing in the middle of it, even though it's afterwards. I know it's a chancer, but hey, it's good theology. Okay, so... Did you enjoy having, I had, I enjoyed two weeks not preaching, but missed it. Um, did you enjoy Andrew and Mark? Did you enjoy how, <laughs> what did you do there? Did you, woo Did you enjoy how different we all are? We all bring something different to the table, don't we? Can you see how different we are? Can you appreciate the benefit of the unity of vision from different angles? So we're all looking at the same diamond just from different angles. And you'll find that as God comes... Hello. Hi, Kelly. It's just good eye contact there. I thought it would out you. Um, so she feels awkward now. Sorry about that. But it's something that we want to notice. This is not a one-man show. If you look at leadership as it's meant to be in Ephesians 4, there are a list of offices and that's how we grow. Which is why when there's a message series, you'll find that Andrew's speaking, I'm speaking and Mark's speaking as well. Because we all bring something different to the table. And that's why it's a feast instead of a meal. And we're all staring at the same diamond, as I said, from different angles. And I would encourage you to embrace who God has made you to be. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Because you bring something to the feast. It's like one of those potluck suppers. Claire does mango chicken. 
oh sweet lord it's really good and then she says it's just this and this and this and I'm like I don't care what it's made of <laughs> so whatever it is that you do bring it to the table if you start putting the whole thing of, oh well you know it's only it's only mango chicken and it's only this and only this you're going to rob people of the experience of mango chicken so you bring your mango chicken to the table whatever your mango chicken happens to be even if it is salmon done in the dishwasher anybody heard of that one how weird is that so i, I want to touch on that a little bit this morning and we'll do that a wee bit later on so this is the seventh week in our message series build and protect if you haven't been here and you find this interesting if you don't well sorry about that um, but if you do we have all of our podcasts are archived and the av team do a great job of taking care of that so go back and have a listen through so I want to give you a bit of an introduction. So Nehemiah is a story of how God leads a leader, how the leader leads himself, and how he leads the people to rebuild and restore. And Nehemiah's rise when there is a need for rebuilding and restoration. So through Nehemiah, God empowered the people to rebuild and restore what was theirs to rebuild and restore. God didn't send someone in. He did the work and went, ta-da! Nehemiah came and said, this is yours to rebuild. He led, led them to build and protect he led them to rebuild what needed to be restored to protect themselves from the attacks of the enemy so that they wouldn't get discouraged and so that they'd complete their mission rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem. And then last week we had Mr. Gordon speaking. Wasn't that a great message? I stopped at the known from the unknown and just went, oh, that's just... And Mark was over here and he said, Colin could go for that in a while, could you? Um, so whatever he... Mark has this analogy whenever you're leading a small group. And basically when there's a message, there's a forest of trees. You want to pull the tree out of the forest and look at that tree. You ever heard the uh, analogy, how do you need an elephant? One bite at a time. So whatever the one thing is that you take away from this morning or any of the messages, if there's that one thing and God continues to hit you with that, don't worry about the rest. Because God doesn't seem to be worried about the rest. He's pointing at that one tree. So lay your hands on it and make it your own. So he asked us, what are you building? And is what you're building having a long-term benefit? And are you building what you want to be building? That's a good question, isn't it? Is what is present in your life what you want to be building? If it's not, I would put to you that you're a victim to something that you and Jesus Christ can overcome. There's a need for integrity. And Mark said, because this is a rebuild, the, the walls of Jerusalem, it wasn't a new build, it was a rebuild. There's a need for them to assess the structure that was being rebuilt. There's a need for integrity. And God allows tests and pressures in our lives to test our integrity and to highlight areas we need strength from him to build upon. Have you found that you think that everything's going great? And then something comes along and it's like all the old stuff you thought you'd overcome or something else starts to erupt from within. I love it when there's no crowd participation at those awkward moments. Well, I do. And I see it a lot of the time in other people. And what we think is, oh, God, why would you do it? That's why he doesn't. Because he doesn't want that stuff to be present within you. Like a cancer or like a spot or whatever it is. He wants to uncover that so that he can then show that to you. So that you can partner with him and get it out of your life. For those of you who are doing what God asks you to do. Yielding yourself to him. Responding in faith, integrity and obedience. Are you feeling lighter? 
Are you enjoying your life more? Have you more headspace? Have you more choice than you ever realized you had? Do you feel less condemned all the time? Are you walking in guilt? Maybe just a little. But it's a process. You can't rebuild and restore on the unknown, but on the known. And this is what I want to lean in for a wee second. Nehemiah called the known from the unknown. And he went to them, the people who were present in Israel at the time, and said, look, this is a mess, but we can do this. And they said, right, let's get up and let's build. So the known from the unknown. So a lot of mornings I'm getting ready for work. And uh, I'm one of those sharp the night before. I know if you think that's disgusting, I did for a long time, but I'm a convert now. So I shower the night before, get up, get my clothes on, do my hair, and as I walk out, Claire will go, do you know your hair sticking up at the back? <laughs> and I'm like, I couldn't, like it's short, how can it be sticking up at the back? And then I fail and go, darn it, she's right, even this morning, it's still sticking up. Some mornings I walk out like this, <laughs> and I'm rolling into my day going, morning Chris. Chris is like, what, did you mean to do that? I don't know, it's my head, I can't see the back of my head. <laughs> and it does Claire's head in. In fact, I hear, the, I hear the scorn and disdain as she says it. Like, you're such a disappointment. <laughs> I can't even do your hair. She doesn't. She doesn't do that. But there's, there's an element of, I represent her. I took me a while to get this. But I represent her. Therefore, that's why she wants to get her hands all over what, what I wear. I take that the right way. We're very happily married. Um, but So she points at that and says, Colin, your hair is sticking up. And at that point, I either have to choose to agree with her with the reality of what's present and try to deal with it, which is this, the entire way down the M2. Is it ever going to actually sit down? And then I'm concussed by the time I arrive at work. Or I go, no, no, it's not there. There's nothing wrong with me. And walk about like this. And even though people stare at me while my hair's up like this. Do you get the analogy of the known from the unknown? If you're going to walk with Jesus, he's going to come up and say to you, you've got some Indian feathers sticking out there. And we go, I don't see any Indian feathers. I don't, see, I don't see anything. I don't see, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. You don't have full perspective on yourself. I don't have full perspective on me. It's just the way it is. So we're in a community where we want to prioritize love. And we want it to be that if we're speaking the truth in love, that you don't need to duck. Because it's like, oh, it's just somebody taking an opportunity to, to take a dunt at you. We wanted to be, I noticed you do that, and actually, I don't think that that really represents who God's called you to be. You're far better than that, and you can do this. Rather than, you hurt me, and I hate you. That's what you do to everybody in this room. Everybody. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? We're about restoration and rebuilding. So that's about the known from the unknown. So we want to speak the truth in love, and you can only do something when you know about it. So I don't know anything about these things sticking up at the back of my head. But when Claire points them out, I can do something about it. So let me use a gardening analogy for some of you are new here and you don't know that I rabbit on about gardening all the time. Got some time in the garden yesterday. It was beautiful. So I walk into a garden. Someone has a poisonous weed as the focal point in their garden. They're putting all of their energy into it. They've created the rest of the garden around it. They're giving it a feed and nitrogen feed, spending a lot of time and money on it, thinking, how can they do that? They've also got this gorgeous blueberry bush. Do any of you like blueberries? Actually grow really, really well in our climate. If you've been told they don't, they're lying to you. 
I have won the pot. Yield so much fruit. So in that garden where the weed is the focal point and they're putting all of their energy into that and their time into it, they don't even know it's poisonous, nor that it's an irritation. And their skin's irritated and they don't know why it is. And I walk in and I know what it is and I see what it is. And they've got this gorgeous blueberry bush that is dying and it's withering. Now, I can walk in and go, oh, look, isn't your garden beautiful? Or I can go in and say, you're really, really good at gardening. Look at the effort that you've put in. But do you know that what you have in the centre of your garden is a weed? Your whole garden is built up around and everything else is dying because of that weed. But you have got these beautiful blueberry bushes which were planted by the one who built the house for you to enjoy. So if you start putting your direction into that, but I'm afraid you're going to have to kill that thing. But I love that weed. That weed's going to kill you. The known from the unknown. Anybody feel slightly convicted in this moment? A lot of the times in our gardens of our lives, we have got the most poisonous and deadly things as the prized possession in our garden. And God's going, you've got the most beautiful blueberry bushes in there that would bear so much fruit if you would just take the time and effort to tend to them. But for me, as the owner of that garden, to be able to listen to the voice from the outside calling the known out of my unknown, I would have to make a decision to believe them or to continue to do what I've always done. For those of you um, who have yielded yourselves to the leadership of others who are called to lead you, have you found fruit from killing the weeds that have dominated your life? That's what we're about and that's what the presence of the Spirit is about. So we've got to build upon integrity and we've got to build upon our identity as sons and daughters of God and also our identity as priests. We want to build the wall. We want to be the wall. We want to be the gates through which people can come to him. We want to build upon the integrity of the known on two fronts in identity as who we are in God and the priests for the restoration of his church, your life, and for those who are far from him. God had already built the foundations of the wall in Nehemiah. And God, through Nehemiah, built the wall within the people as they built a physical wall. And the physical was a symbol of the spiritual. The physical is a symbol of the spiritual. So what's God building within you? What is it that you do in your day-to-day life? What are the little things that you attend to? Well, they're often uh, physical symbols of a spiritual reality. And I want to make a comment on the names and then we're going to move on. So here's a list of some of the names of the people that rebuild different sections of the walls, and it's fairly comprehensive. So I think Mark commented on this one. Eliashab, it means God restores. Emre means tall and eloquent. Hasena, you're going to have to bear with me. Hasena, I think it is, family of returning exiles. Hanan means favored. Malkirja means the king is Yahweh. Shekaniah means Yahweh is taken up as a boat. Sons of Uriah flame of Yahweh or passion of Yahweh sons of Barakiah means Yahweh blesses Meheshabel means God delivers Yohadiah means the Lord knows Uziel my strength is God Rephiah Yahweh has cured Jediah praised by Yahweh Hashabniah Yahweh has accounted for Rechab band of writers Ezer means help Benjamin, oh, Benjamin means the son of my right hand, which in biblical times was a place of authority. Shelemiah means the friend of God. Azariah, God has helped. And Nehemiah means God comforts. Through all of the builders, God displays the fullness of who he is. 
That's why I wanted to comment on Mark and Andrea and myself. We are so different. We all bring different things to the table. But whenever the three of us talk about one topic, you get more of a fullness of what it is that God wants to do. And it's the same with us. We show who God is by us telling others who we know Him to be. And often when things are really, really normal to us, I think it was Beethoven, um, Beethoven when he talked about a piano, it just made sense to him. Does a piano make sense to anybody else? Do you just sit on it and go, I, I get this, this is an extension of myself. Now we do that with Beethoven and the piano, okay, which is fairly justified. But I guarantee you that for everyone in this room, there is something in your life that is like a piano to you. And it just makes sense to you. And you assume that it's the same for everybody else. But when you start to share your experience, then you discover that that thing is so normal, it's so natural that it's supernatural to you. Not We always think supernatural is ooh, it's something really, really weird. If something is... if if I change it from supernatural to it's really, really natural, does that change how you think about the word supernatural? Yeah? Or are you still on that note, Colin? Supernatural means this, which is just weird and left the field. What if it means it's so natural that it just flows out of who you are? When God comes into your life, it's not like a foreigner's come in. It's like homes just arrived inside of you. So therefore, whatever is so natural to you is often supernatural. And when you get to do that thing, what's called anointing happens, which is it's, it makes it easy and it just flows out and everybody else is like, oh my goodness. To the person who's being played by God, Dennis would say, I'm like a, an instrument. I say, play me long and play me loud. When God gets his hands on you and starts to play you, it will be the most wonderful natural experience and those around you will go, oh my goodness. And then you get to say, it's God. So it took all of them to rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. And so it is with us. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. Just as we are one body, it has many parts. But all of the many parts form one body. So it is with those of us who are in Christ. That's the sweetness and completeness. The sweetness and completeness is you play your part. Everybody else around you plays your part and we get to be a whole together. This is Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. I don't really understand all of that. I do understand this. For there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. What I do understand about what David's saying is, it's really, 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 really good. It's really, 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 really good. When we're in unity together, when we've got the same values, practices and priorities, God commands a blessing. And when God commands something, is it an option for it to happen? Well, I'll just leave that with you then. <laughs> unity is a force be, to be reckoned with. Do you remember the Tower of Babel? What happened there? God came down, what did he do? He confused their languages. Why did he confuse their languages? Yes, he's God, but why did he do that? Do you know? Well, let me read it to you. 
They said to each other, come let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tar that reaches to the heavens, so that we may make a name for ourselves, otherwise we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tar they were building. And the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do for them will be impossible. Unity? You get this? If we are of a common goal, right? And we are agreed, nothing will stop us. And God himself says that when we're doing it for him, he commands a blessing. Therefore, we reason and go, well, that couldn't happen. We're not playing by those rules anymore. Okay. So, I want to talk very briefly this morning about caution, building, and progress. Mind your head. Caution, building and progress, mind your head. So we've been looking at build and protect. We've been talking a lot about building, a lot about the background to it. And now we'll want to talk a little bit about protect. So I'm going to read from Nehemiah 4. If you've got a Bible with you, then you can follow me with, follow as I speak it. Now when Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became furious and was filled with indignation. He ridiculed the Jews before his associates and army of Samaria, saying, What are these feeble Jews doing? Can they restore the wall by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mines of rubble? Ridicule. Then Tobiah the Ammonite, who was beside them, said, Even a fox were, if a fox were to climb on this wall that they're building, it would break down their wall of stones. Hear us, O God, for we're despised. Turn their scorn back upon their own heads and let them be taken as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover up their iniquity or let their sin be blotted out from your sight for they have provoked the builders, as Nehemiah said. Then verse 6. So we rebuilt the wall until all of it was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind, one mind to work. When Sanballat and Tobiah with the Arabs, Ammonites, Ammonites and Ashdodites Unity. The enemy knows about unity too. They all got together. They make agreement. When they heard that the repair to the walls of Jerusalem were progressing and that the gaps were being closed, they were furious. And all of them conspired to come and fight against Jerusalem and create a hindrance. So we prayed to our God and posted a guard against them day and night. Meanwhile, the people of Judah said, The strength of the laborer fails, and there's so much rubble that we will never be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemies said, before they know or see a thing, we will come into their midst, kill them, and put an end to their work. Dirty great threat. At that time, the Jews who lived nearby came and told us ten times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us. Threat. Have you found that the enemy will speak a threat, and then those that you care about, your family, or those you're in relationship with, will come and just compound and reiterate the threat, and just more... And again, and again. It's not as if it dwells in isolation and the enemy just flicks in a word and then walks off. It just comes through again and again and again and again. Then Nehemiah says, After I had made an inspection, I stood up and I said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. When our enemies heard that we are aware of their schemes and that God had frustrated it, 
each of us returned to his own work on the wall and from that day on half of my men did the work while the other half held spears shields bows and armor the officers stationed themselves behind all the people of judah who were rebuilding the wall and the laborers who carried materials worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other and each of the builders worked with their sword strapped at their side here's my first comment Building with God and for God will always be opposed. Have you discovered that? It will always be opposed. Now, if I've said this so many times, but if your train of thought and your understanding is that if it goes really well and there's no hassle, then it's God. Anybody going to admit to that? I certainly. Thank you, Alana. Both hands, put your legs in there too. If it goes well and there's no difficulty in relationship and there's no financial hassles and there's no other pressures and your work doesn't turn around and tell you that uh, it's all going to end in a few days, then, then we're good, it's good. For anybody who's ever done what God has asked them to do, has that been your experience? As you read the Bible, is that the experience? What happened when Jesus was sent to the earth? So we're going to have to choose which train of thought we're going to follow. Because if you hear God, God speaks to you, you've got revelation buzz, you're like, oh, yeah, you hear the crowds of heaven and all, and there with the people going, yeah, I heard Elijah go, yeah, come on. And then you walk out from the mountain down into the valley, and you're like, And then you realize that he sent his own son to die. Oh. Ooh. If you believe that it's going to go all well and that's the sign that it's God, all the enemy has to do is go, listen, if it was God, would it not be easier than this? Would you like to take your exit from the mission and destiny that you've been called to? <laughs> Wait. And then he says, you need to just get yourself comfortable because God wants you to be comfortable. Make yourself a month, some money and get yourself... Just sit down. You don't need to say anything. Just sit down. Just be quiet. And just live out your life. Because afterwards, Jesus died for you, so you're going to have him. So. Right? Sit down and shut up. Or, building with God and for God will always be a post always 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 remember though that the enemy is god's most reluctant servant so if you're being attacked flip it around what is he saying about you can't do it you're always going to be an object of scorn you're not enough it's not enough time it's not enough money it's all going to go horribly wrong remember in proverbs i think it's 15 4 the deceptive tongue crushes the spirit so the thought comes to you, there's never going to be enough money or time to do this, and you're crushed. Hello, you've just found that you're dealing with the deceptive tongue. Flip it round. What's actually happening, and why would the enemy oppose something that's going to happen? Well, he would oppose it because he fears it. And he knows often that if he threatens you, ridicules you, you might sit down and shut up. Whereas if you turn around there and go, I see what you're saying. I'm actually going to get this done. I had a little bit of hassle this week. You know whenever it feels like just... Just it just was hassle and lies and all this kind of stuff in my mind. And at one point I went, 
I'm just going to flip this over and claim the reverse. Flip it over and claim the reverse. The enemy is always God's most reluctant service servant. Whenever Jesus met the enemy in the wilderness, he went in. Uh, he was in led by the Spirit. And do you know what he came out of the wilderness? It describes a mass. Anybody? I feel like that guy out of American Pie. Anyone? Anyone? <laughs> anyone? 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 Grace. He came out in the power of the Spirit. So all of these things that happen to us, all of these difficulties, all of these things that really we want to avoid, and half the time we pray, pray we pray prayers of avoidance, which will not get it done. He's not gonna. He probably listen to you and go, okay, and I wait for a time. We're talking about God here, and God will wait for a time to talk to you when you're not really thinking about Him that much, when you're in the shower at the bathroom or something, and say to you, you know, actually, what if you prayed that you would get through this rather than avoid it? then we would get it done. Because in the middle of it all, as Dennis was preaching a few weeks back, there's spoils in it. You may be led into difficulty by the Spirit. By the Spirit. The Spirit's going to get you into trouble. Have you squared up to that? That's what he does. Gets you out of it too. Gets a name for himself in the middle of it all and blesses you in the middle too. And your bank account might be better as well. He will lead you in by the Spirit and lead you out in the power of the Spirit. So this is the key verse. Nehemiah 4.18 The laborers who carried materials worked with one hand and held a weapon with the other. And each of the builders worked with a sword strapped at his side. Who was really attacking them? Was it the Ammonites? Was it Sambalat? Or Ephesians 6.12 For our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Behind it all was a more sinister force and influence to issue the threats and do the work. So look at your life again. Who's really behind your hassle? And the hurt, and the difficulty. If you're seeing people, and just people, you'll miss it. The enemy is either ridiculing, whispering threats, both are the branches of the tree of fear, Or he's interpreting the circumstances of your life to his own devices. So we've all had bombs go off in our life, haven't we? Things happen. We're devastated. We lose people. Things happen to us that are incredibly unpleasant. And in the middle of it all, God's there. But in the middle of it all, the devil's there. And it's a a fight for who's going to interpret the circumstances. Now, some of you are here, and I would say most of us have been here, where we've just let the enemy interpret our circumstances. And where we've come to is, we just better get comfortable, we just better lie down, and we just better shut up. Now, if you meet God in this place, and you journey with him, he will reach into your past and reinterpret what you misinterpreted before. The spoils of battles fought. Some of you are in the process of deciding to fight battles or you're in the middle of fighting them and you need to remember these things. You need to remember who the struggle is really against. Okay, It's against the rulers and the principalities and the spiritual forces of evil and heavenly realms. That's why we can look at people and even though they may be hurting us, we can love our enemies. The battles in your mind. Was there actually anything that happened to them as they were building this wall? They were ridiculed and there were threats. 
But there was no reality of attack. 2 Corinthians 10.5 Hold every thought captive and lead it away in obedience to Jesus Christ. That's my verse and I'm living the fruit of it. You've got to be able to grab a hold of your thoughts. If you're sitting here and you're going, it's just the way I think. It's just the way I feel. You are living subjective to what's not true. What on earth did Jesus Christ die for? He died so that he could give back to you Listen, son, here's choice. You get to choose again. If you're thinking, I don't have a choice, you're under the sway of a lie. You always have a choice. Love grants a choice. Fear removes it. In chapter 5, Nehemiah responded to Sambalat's threat, and he said this, I sent him this reply. There's nothing to these rumors you're spreading. You're inventing them in your own mind. For they were all trying to frighten us, saying, their hands will be weakened in the work and it will never be finished. And Nehemiah said, but now my God, strengthen my hands. Threat is designed to throw you off the mission. And if you're subjective to circumstances rather than the call of God in your life, the enemy's strategy of threat will work. What will happen when you win? Fight the good fight is one that you don't lose. And you're an overcomer in Jesus Christ. And look at the list in Revelation of what Jesus said. To him who overcomes, I'll give. To him who overcomes, they will taste. To him who overcomes, they will. And then how you fight. James 1, 2, 4. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. What's that all about? Was James on glue? You're all with me. How many times have you read it and been super religious? Oh, brothers, yes, I consider it all joy. Does anybody consider it all joy when hassle comes in their life? Or a big fat trial? Holy Spirit comes, speak to me, Lord, and he says, I'm going to discipline you for the next eight weeks. Thank you, Lord. Do you know the Lord spoke to me this morning? Church was wonderful. And he said to me, he's going to discipline me for the next eight weeks. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And yet, isn't that what we do? False positive reality? Come on, we do, don't we? We are in these awful circumstances. We were in one when Claire's mum was down. And uh, you want to, we did keep hope alive. And you want to kind of not look at the horrible things that are in front of you. And then it comes to the point where you have to look at the horrible things in the face. And I remember saying to God, this is horrific. And the Spirit said, yes it is, son. The reason why James says to consider all joy is, it's about vision. When you've won a few battles, though the battle itself can be unpleasant, you'll realize that the spoils of it are beyond your understanding. So when you have trial and you have hassle come into your life, there's a big, fat, dirty, great present coming your way. It's like the wee card that pops through the door from Royal Mail, even though you're like, oh, I have to go and collect that from Mollusk. <laughs> and you're thinking, when do you do it? Do you do it in the morning? Do you leave early? What do you do? Do you do it at night time? When's it closed? Is it open to the weekends? And then you forget your ID. And the wee guy goes, sorry, I can't go with you, mate. You haven't got any ID. <laughs> but what's that little bit of paper doing? It's telling you that there's something waiting for you. So if you look at trials when they come to you and totally rewire your mind, uh, Romans 12, 2, isn't it? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
and something comes and you know that there's trial and there's hassle instead of that and you're like I really don't want the hassle but I'll certainly take the spoils from it so it's about how you fight Ephesians 6 contains the list of armour Ephesians 6.17 take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God Hebrews 4.12 for the word of God is living and active sharper than any double edged sword it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit joints and marrow and it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart and they in the story of Nehemiah had the word of God strapped to their sides as they built it was accessible and it was always with them when we come to the end of ourselves we discover where God actually is we live not by bread alone but by every every word that proceeds from the mouth of God the word of God the Rama word and the Logos word the word the Logos word being the Bible and the scriptures as we have it and the Rama word being the word of God as revealed to us quick example when we were moving up here God had asked us to come clearest day we went to Porter Mortgage the mortgage company said not a chance you can't afford the mortgage that you have I got off the phone and I thought I have a choice here I either heard God or they're right so I then fought it and they said no problem Mr. Woodward you can port your mortgage anytime you want to that's an example of the Rama word I had the word that we were supposed to be here that word trumps any organization and what you learn is that a no is not always a no So is the word of God strapped to you? Wherever you are. Whatever circumstance you're in. Have you got it? Have you got the verses that make you tingle because you're like, ah, this is it. Have you got the words that he's spoken to you about who you are and what you'll overcome and where we're going on this? Do you know how to use it? It's all about submission. The enemy wants you to yield to him because it often makes sense. God wouldn't put you through this. How'd you go? Makes sense to your soul. Often sounds like the truth. Why do the lies often feel truer than the truth does? Don't they? God wants you to yield to him and it rarely makes sense because the soul doesn't like it nor can it get it. But your spirit does. So what will you do when you're ridiculed and threatened doing what God has asked you to do? And what will we as a church do when we're ridiculed and threatened because we're doing what God has asked us to do? Can I get you guys to stand with me? And Nathan, would you come and uh, join us in the band? So will you yield to God? Or will you yield to the experience of others? Negative experience? Will you yield to worldly counsel? Or that, well, if it feels good, if if it feels good for you, if it's your truth, then it's true, which is basically hedonism. Will you yield to the intimidation and the threat of the enemy? Fear being faith in the devil? Or, or, will you yield to our amazing God? Who is way better than we think he is. We need to admit that to him as well. See if you're struggling to trust him, tell him. See if you're wondering if he's actually that good. Why don't you be honest about that? Will you become the very thing that he's asking you to build? So come some questions, as always, to help you to respond. Do you believe the lie that you have no place in the build or in the wall? Have you been living misunderstanding who your fight is really with? And then finally, do you want to learn how to live and build with your sword at your side? 
If you can answer yes to any of these questions or you just want ministry, please come and join me now at the front. You have been listening to Destination Church Belfast weekly podcast. Remember to check us out at www.destinationchurchbelfast.co.uk and have a great week.